Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue. Faces turn red. And rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys who know that Delta 8 is not a flight number. Chris and the Riz. Hey, howdy ho, Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions Podcast, episode 475. This is the Detroit Lions off-season workouts underway uh this is the official detroit lions podcast for that red place i am your dashing host chris and with me is my good friend well coiffed and just surpassingly gorgeous co-host michael gray how are you doing brother i'm good man i'm gonna have to shave my head just to mess with you guys (laughs) risden's all about the hair man he's taking it personally i think I'm telling you, bro, our female demo is through the roof ever since you got here. Don't touch that hair, babe. I promise promise you that's got nothing to do with me. (laughs) All right. We got a lot to cover today. First impressions, the Lions rookies. Rookie mini camp is is, is gone. It's passed. We'll talk about what we saw there, what we heard. Talk a little bit about the seatbelt gang mentality taking over on the defense, where the Lions are in their rebuild process. A couple of silly trade rumors. A little bit of shout out and props to the Lions social media team and something that is a working title called Perceived versus Relative Value. Uh, Mike furrowed his eyebrows when I kind of gave him a high level shot. We'll take a talk about this today because this is something I just it sort of came to me today. Was perception versus reality taken? I yes. have to go so so meta. <laughs> I don't know. I only I like I, I literally noted it down in the middle of a meeting at work. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I got to come back to that. And then. Effectively, the show started. So that's what we're working with. <laughs> all right, we got all that a whole lot more. We got a great show lined up. Mr. Gray, are you ready to go, my friend? I am. Let's kick this off and break it down. All right. I don't know who's uh, lines. I don't have those memorized. Don't worry. They're your, they're, they're your lines today, my friend. Um, I, I wish I had... Uh, Dan Arlovsky handy. We used to have one where we talked about Guam because we had uh, a listener, uh, Dylan from Guam. And there was a scream that uh, the original co-host case did. And it would be Dylan from me to go Guam really loud. So Orlovsky comes on, he co-hosts a show with us and he embraced the snot. I mean, he screamed the top of his, he probably woke his neighbors that as loud and long as he screamed Guam. <laughs> it's hilarious. Only Orlovsky. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, let's get into this. couple of quick things. First and foremost, uh, I want to thank Michael for coming in and filling in for Jeff, who's out th- uh, this week. Um, he's got his parents are in the hospital. Uh, we've got HIPAA regulations, so we're not going to reveal. But we just want to give our very, very best to Jeff's parents. Um, I know. You know, maybe with him there, you're not in the best hands. There's probably better hands you could be in, but he's a good guy to have around. We love the kid, and uh, we hope you all get better and get to, to feeling uh, all back to normal again. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thoughts with everybody there in the Risden clan. Yeah, 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 for sure. Also, training camp party, because we need them there. Training camp party's teed up August 5th, the Uptown Grill in Commerce Town Township. Tickets will go on sale this weekend. And uh, just so you know, this ticket, the tickets here are to cover the, the food. It's there's dinner, um, 
special guests. We're working on that. It'll be just as big as last year, if not bigger. Every year it gets bigger. But uh, the tickets there just to cover costs. So uh, it's not like this is a big money. This is our our training camp fan appreciation party. We all get together, have a great time. You can drink, you can have soda, you can eat, have a good time. We'll do a live show there. And then after the show's over, we'll pack everything up and we just hang out. We hang out to close in time with anyone who wants to. I mean, last time I think we closed with like 20 people uh, last year, but you can stay as late as you want, drinking, hanging, having a good time, talking football, talking whatever you want. It's a really, really good time. Uptown Grill, Commerce Township, August 5th. Tickets on sale this weekend. So get yours before they sell out. Uh, I think I did all the time and temperature stuff as Mr. DJ man should, Michael. Um, I want to Jerry Hodak. <laughs> wow. I, I prefer Sonny Elliott, exactly, but we, we can go with Jerry Hodak. I understand. Uh, well, let's get into it. First impressions of the Detroit Lions rookies. Um, we got to get a good look at the rookies and I'll, I'll, I'll tell folks just watching and listening now Thursday as we record this, which is tomorrow. We'll have an interview with Broderick Martin. So uh, stay nice. tuned for that. Yeah, we're going to we're going to talk to Broderick up close and personal and do some 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 chats with him. But we've seen a lot of stuff so far about the rookies with the rookie camp, rookie camp ending. They're getting in, into um, that whole uh, workout mode ahead of OTAs as those start to get ready to kick off. And I, I wanted to start and kind of, Michael, get your impression of the Lions rookies thus far. What have we learned about these young men? Well- I mean, I think there's a couple of things. One, the the educational piece about Detroit, the city, the franchise, the state of the team is obviously a priority to everybody because all of these guys came in with their talking points memorized about the build, about turning the franchise around, about the role that they would play in building a foundation for something special. And that's not that doesn't happen everywhere. A lot of times you get a job, you get drafted by a team, you go play for that team, you put on the helmet, and you go out and play. These guys are being they're being included like everyone else at the cultural level. And, and all their thoughts reflected that. The other thing is they're all dealing with a draft media that's still not made friends with Detroit's decisions on draft <laughs> night. Detroit went running back, linebacker, tight end. And that's a different level of the multiverse that no one knew they were living in. And so those guys had to answer those questions. And I know I, I, you know, I did a video earlier this week where it kind of went off on a tangent. I have, look, I, I spent too many years in locker rooms and too many years in media scrums, um, you know, sometimes holding the mic and sometimes just kind of leaning in. And you see those questions that you know they can't answer. They can't answer that. You, you're asking them something that's impossible. You're asking Jameer Gibbs for an analysis of his new tight end who's been on the field exactly once. What the hell does he know about, his, about breaking down tight ends? He's a running back. Like if just one of those, like he had to just sit there and blink and go, um, yeah, it's, I mean, he's a teammate. Looks good. I guess I didn't watch Iowa football because I don't hate myself. Um, you know, like, come on, you got to at least give them something where there's a chance they can give you an answer. Yeah. And it's not softball um, questions, right? It's not asking for softball questions. Get the real story. But uh, can you explain the, the theory of relativity in detail is, is, is just as valid a question because right. they have no, no option, no chance to actually provide a, a well, valuable answer. And lest I, and lest I be, you know, disingenuous, like this is how easy it is. Three people asked about the connection between Laporta and Campbell. Mm-hmm. 
Three people asked Laporta and they came in and then, and the next two, each of the next two were like, sorry, if you've been asked this before, like, yeah, ding dong. Of course he's been asked that before. It's the lowest of the low hanging fruit. It fell off the tree. It's on there. You stepped on it. That's how low. Well, rather than ask the dumb question, Hey, do you like having a teammate in the locker room? How does it help you to have a teammate in the locker? Let's just assume for the sake of argument and everybody with two functioning frontal lobes that we know it's better to have someone familiar in the locker room. Let's go that far, make that, you know, curb sized leap and then just ask him, how does it help you? In, I mean, the can, one follow up was good. Like, will you be roommates in Detroit? And he was like, nah, I don't think we'll live together. Yeah, right, right. But it was like the that first the, question. The That's where you should you should have started with the first question. Like, know something yes. about him, right? Knows you said it. You you, you put that in the video. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Know something about the people you're asking questions. And the idea that the one person knew <laughs> that they had, they had been roommates. Congrats, congrats. And I, and I should probably go back so I can right. give them personal credit. But the the the, us, the rest, it's like, what's it like playing with somebody? Like, how about what's it like playing with your roommate? That's a better question. I mean, it's it's the same, right. but it's at least better. 100%. Right. It's like, you know, a little bit. Right. Yeah. <sighs> That's, you've done you've done some work. And then and like I said, it's it's as simple as the phrasing. You can just tell people show up and they haven't thought about this. And especially with the rookies. And, and they're, these are grown men. I'm not, you know, I'm not for nothing. Mm-hmm. I just as a fan, you rely on credentialed media for your access. You're relying like, and I think that's where I think I'm, I'm, I'm off on a tangent now, but mm-hmm. I think that's where the credential media lets the fans down so many times because they go in there and they've elevated themselves. They're annoyed by the fans. They, you know, you can go on to any number of podcasts and see journos bitching about, oh, so-and-so on Twitter blew me up because of this. Well, you know, fans have never been smarter. Like at any time in history, yeah. fans yeah. are more educated. They're, they're more into this stuff. They have more access to more information. You're the only conduit they have to these people personally. I don't need you to ask him about his stats. I've got that right here on my phone. I, I, don't, I don't need it. You know, what I need is something relatable, and I don't think they think in that frame too often. I think there's two, there's two problems. One, and it, it, it's, it happened in day one when this team, leadership team, took over. They had no idea. They don't understand what what they're made of, what they're doing, why, how, how they think. They, they've been, you know, for however long they've in the, been in the media or, you know, covering blogging, whatever else for the, about the Lions ahead of that, um, they're only used to what was here before. And so right. often, and I think this is, a, this is a, an important point, so often there's so little life experience amongst the journalists that they don't know what questions to ask. They have no context outside the bubble that they've been sitting in and they can't put any of that, that, that other knowledge to use. Hey, I went to drew degree to, to school and got a degree in journalism. Oh, that's good. I watch football. Okay. That's good. Well, how does it help you contextualize anything that these guys have experienced or saying? And it, and it doesn't. Right. Um, Corey here is saying, hey, please call out Burkett for his immediate post-draft interview with Broderick Martin. Ask him to spell out the name of his deceased brother. I'll tell you, the, the thing about that is, and like you can poke all these guys. You can, you can even poke Burkett a number of ways. The reason he asked about spelling out the name, though, was because he wanted to make sure he got it right in his article. Burkett can write some really amazing content. He can write some really great pieces, and he wanted to make sure and honor his brother. The problem is it wasn't the right time. That wasn't the place yeah. to go that. And then now to, 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 to kind of keep going deep, it's like 
banging the ugly gong. Oh, it, it was ugly the first time you hit it. Let's let's stop hitting it. Nah, I think I'm gonna hit it again. Nah, I'm gonna like no, no. Write right. that story a different time. It's 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 just like understand. This is like the best day of this kid's life. And then you hear him tell the story in his interview afterward. Ran down six stairs. My I've never seen my mom jump before. She jumped this high. Gave me the biggest hug right. ever. And it's right after that you're asking him spell your deceased brother's name. What is that? Where again? Context. Um. For the world, right? Just context for the world, right. and then people and understanding that—that's the thing that's really the the big part. So, uh, anyway, there we go. There we go. There we go. That's uh, that's it. Let's talk so about you, the rookies themselves. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, and I, I think there was—I think there was an opportunity loss. Broderick Martin's, and that's why I'm excited. You guys have got him tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one, and that was why I started. You know, the video I did earlier this week with just the joy. It's just one of those rare human kind of experiences when you see the rookies come to camp and it's not limited to the lions. There's 32 of these teams going through this You're You've got all of these people lining up at the podium on the very first day of their dream coming true. Mm-hmm. And you just don't get that very often. You're not mm-hmm. going to get, you know, maybe again in the locker room on super bowl Sunday of the winning team. Mm-hmm. The other team's going to be in despair, but you'll get the human element, the joy, the release, all of that. But here, this is almost more pure because every team gets one of these. Every team gets a rookie class. Yeah. Every rookie gets to have their very first day. And that's where, you know, that's why I was so irritated because you're hearing these dumbass questions and you miss an opportunity to, to connect with these guys. Now, Broderick, he bridged that. His story, the way his eyes lit up, I mean, he was still there. He talked about his tears welling up when he saw his name on his yeah. locker. Yeah. And you hear that and it just, I mean, it, it hits. It hits. It 10 rings. It's perfect. You know, you you understand what this gigantic guy is going through. And my daughter walked through the room when I was watching it on YouTube and watching the video. She's like, who's that? I'm like, oh, rookie's like, well, he looks really scary, but he's actually just a big baby. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> a know? teddy bear, man. He's so, yeah. he's all personality, right? His personality and, might be bigger than his body. <laughs> if it's possible, yeah. you know, and, and you've got, you've got that and a lean now both in the middle of that line. Um, I just, there are, there are not enough of those moments. Um, some guys aren't built for it. You're never going to get, I don't think I, I can say this pretty confidently. We're however many days into the, to the season for the rookies. You're never going to get that from Jack Campbell. No, I, no, I feel no, pretty confident because right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has that serial killer focus where it, it's him and branch. That's another impression I walked with. They're exactly the right amount of crazy. Yeah. Like it, for that defense, right down the middle, linebacker safety. I want two guys who have that Mike Singletary face all the time, you know. Um, and that's kind of how they came across. So that was, you know, another first impression made. I, I, uh, yeah. I mean, just just the size differential, right? Uh, Branch, Campbell, Martin. Ten times out of ten, I want to run into to, to Martin in a dark alley than I do Campbell Branch, <laughs> yeah. man. I don't care. You, that guy, you can walk up yeah. and you can tell, yeah, this is a good. This is gonna be a good day. Those guys, those are terrifying men, man. <laughs> well, and that's that's where Campbell is like, you know, what do you like? I like football. What else? I like thinking about football. <laughs> Anything else? Sometimes I watch football, and he's just like, and you're like, all right, well, we have a type here in Detroit, and and, and you're it. You don't, everybody doesn't have to be effervescent, but you do have to be all about ball. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm okay with that. I am absolutely okay. Um, they get it. The players get it. The coaches get it. Um, they walk in the door 
they all seem to be interestingly they all seem to fit together they all seem to fit the mold and it, it started on day one and i think it all uh, i think like in the off season there's a good period of time i think that a lot of our media could maybe take a step back and kind of think about recast their thoughts about about what what the lions are doing the front office is doing how they're operating and kind of maybe uh um just take a look at it you know who knows maybe, maybe they are right maybe they are right well, and, and I, I think more than that, it's just thinking about what, what you, what you are, you know, in my years at ESPN, whether it was covering the Lions or covering the Huskers or covering the Seahawks, I understood that like, I'm just an extension of the fan conversation. Mm-hmm. Fans have things they want to know. I'm, I'm useless. Otherwise a sports journalist is useless if there's no fan extension. Yep. Otherwise, what are you doing? You're, you're writing articles nobody reads. You're hosting radio shows nobody listens to. You're having a conversation nobody cares about. And just try to get into that headspace that you have the access that the 80,000 lunatics want. They want to ask questions. They want to get to know these guys. And too often, I, I think that gets missed because the journalists involved uh, want to be the story or be a part of the story, be in the story somehow. Yeah. Uh, it's Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance. Get off the damn motorcycle and get in a car. Yeah, um, you know. <laughs> that that's that that's a whole lot of it is being part of the story anymore, and it's um that is what it is. There's a couple guys we talk about him. You know, Justin Rogers love what he does. He's a guy that is not. I, I to say his writing is emotionless is is, a, is does not give him the credit he deserves because he writes very very compelling content. But the fact that he just he's a just the facts ma'am kind of guy and reports the content, right. if even even emotional compelling kind of content, he is presenting you with information and allowing you to come up with your own conclusions. If he he doesn't get to write, none of them get to really write their own. Uh, headlines but if he writes it he's not going to tell tell you know his headline isn't going to end and here's why you should think that way he would never ever write anything right. like that and it's there's there's something to be said for that kind of uh quality and i mean the media room is the tom kowalski room it's named that way it's named yeah. after a guy that i think everybody says is you know a legend in the space in uh reporting for the Detroit Lions, and I, the best. I, yeah, I have a feeling that he, he was w- the best. Wouldn't maybe want his name on there today, or would be unhappy with how his his room, his name, his namesake is being leveraged. <sighs> yeah, no, I'm and and I learned I learned so much in the two years I got to work with him because uh, when the two training camps when I was in Allen Park, um, when Stafford was just getting started, I was a new face, and Kowalski knew absolutely everybody. He knew everybody that was on yeah. the sideline, knew why they were there, knew who they were work for, had a genuine disinterest in the national guys because they knew they were just going to drive by and, you know, try to put together a, a, a quick hit piece and, and move on. And he came over to me that very first day and he's like, who the hell are you? And I told him, oh, I'm, you know, f- first time radio station, Grand Rapids, Michigan, blah, 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 blah. He's like, huh, you Grand Rapids guys don't usually come out to training camp. I'm like, yeah, well, they asked me if I wanted to and I want to. And then I spent a ton of time with him. Uh, he he showed me bars where the players go after practices. I got mistaken for Zach Follett. Um, <laughs> that was that was funny. <laughs> While I was having lunch with Tom, somebody comes up. He's like, "Are you Zach Follett?" I'm like, "Practice is going on right now. I can't be having beers at lunch. What are you talking about?" <laughs> and then then and the funny thing was, I'm like, "No, I'm not." And he and the guy turned around because Tom was laughing, and the guy turned around. And he was like, "Oh my God, you're Tom Kowalski!" <laughs> and, like. 
he thought I was Zach Follett, and he was kind of like, eh, eh, backup linebacker. But then he saw Tom, and he lit up. He's like, oh, my God, it's Killer Kowalski. So, yeah, neat, neat stuff. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Good, good, good stuff. Good dude. All right. Well, Legend. Lions rookies, Laporta's looking good. Uh, looks like a, yep. a, a top pick. Um, look, it's so early to kind of take these impressions. These are all just first impressions. But I, I, I'm I'm still pretty entrenched in that camp that I think the Laporta and Gibbs duo is a lot higher value than the Bijan by himself piece. It's it's just and, and we'll have to see where things go. I think one yeah. of the things is 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 over time it's going to really be able to play itself out because. Bijan is a prototypical running back, and that he's going to be he's going to likely perform better than running backs across the league. You know, probably be one of the one of the greats. He very well could be has all the capabilities to be one of the greats, but the longevity is not going to be. I don't think what you get out of Gibbs just because of the way they play the game and how they're going to be used. And I think that value. There's you know you talk about players. What's the number one ability for any player? Availability, right? And you right. may well have a solution at running back for a very, very long time. And when you pair him up with uh, Montgomery, you still have that prototypical, prototypical running back with a high talent level to run that ball. And I, I know Risden wrote about this today. Don't sleep on Ibrahim. Don't sleep on Mo Ibrahim. Yeah. I, yeah. Along, with, along with hating myself enough to watch some Hawkeye games in the college football season, I also watched some Minnesota games. And if he can stay healthy, he is he is that hammer between the tackles, get it done. You know, we need three yards, he'll get you four. You need 10 yards, he's going to get you four. You know, he, he can be that guy. Um, and, a, I, I, you know, for my money, no offense, Craig Reynolds, I think he's your RB3 if he's healthy. Yeah, yeah, I think you're fair. I think it's a fair point. And a good one. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get into the next piece. We've got there's a mentality in town. Um, seatbelt gang. We saw the pictures come out. Um, what was it yesterday? No, it was Monday uh, from workouts. Yeah. And um, we saw Hutch. We saw Jerry donning their seatbelt gang gear. I'm, I'll just tell you guys the whole defense requested <laughs> requested the gear. Sent a truckload of shirts out there. Um, there's something going on. And whether it's just wearing the gear, which you can get at seatbeltgang.com, by the way. And uh, if you saw Jerry's tweet about it, um, that's what he does. Get the ways it he supports, there and only there. That's how he supports charity. That's it. it it's not somebody yeah. who stole a design and turned it uh, into, you know, personal money. Jerry's doing something. I mean, here's a guy. He's a story, right? Ground up, fought his way to where he's at, where he's at. And he's in Detroit and he's, he's doing his best to, to, to help out where he's at now. The people that, that brought him into the league. So you go buy somewhere else. Yeah, you can, you can do that. But, um, you buy it from seatbeltgang.com. You're doing the right thing with it's, it's frustrating. You know how I, I, I get about it, right? I mean, someone stole, we, no, we did, no we did design partnered with him for his merch, get it out there for charity. Just like, just like St. Jude, right? We do that hundred thousand dollars raise. People everywhere, every time it seems we do something for charity, somebody takes the idea, whether it's the intellectual property or the execution, and just Xeroxes it and makes a bad copy. It's 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 maddening to be the people that do the work and and and, and the innovation and have people just copy it. It's nuts. So seatbeltgang.com. Anyway, this mentality of the seatbelt gang. The idea is it's beyond just shirts. It's just beyond it's beyond, you know, Jerry's Jerry's move after uh making Aaron Rodgers look like a fool. It's it's it is a mentality. It's a lockdown kind of idea. And I think 
what we're seeing is a defense that knows that they had to improve year over year. There's a defense that that had some gaps. That's had some gaps filled with some really good players. Campbell's actually a, a really good addition to this defense. He he brings a much much needed man in the middle that can do a whole lot. But I think this is and all. I mean, the secondary what 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 they've done with the players there, adding Broderick Martin, Aleem, how he's looking leaning out this year. I mean, it, it, Hutch in his second year, folks that didn't like what I talked about with that little bit of baby fat, go look at him now and compare it to last year's pictures, just like I told you to do. My man has a year of NFL strength and conditioning under his belt, and he looks the part. Yeah. He absolutely looks the part now. But there's a mentality, and I think, especially in camp, between the offense and the defense, where you want to be the better of the two sides of the ball. This is your chance because your, your, your opponent is the other is your teammates on the other side of the ball. And the defense knows they have a step up this year. And I, I, I'm getting a sense from what I'm hearing and who I'm talking to that this team is this defense is embracing that lockdown mentality. They're embracing the idea that they are going to improve more than the offense year over year. They're trying to establish themselves in that locker room as the premier side of the ball. And it's just, it's, it's like I said, it's more than the t-shirts. It's a mentality. And it seems like they're all buying in and it's, it's, a, it's an extension of that Dan Campbell piece. Michael, what do you think? What do you, I mean, from what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what do you think? Is, is, is that the way for these guys to go? Is that the kind of mentality they want to take on? Or is, is there a different kind of role? I mean, you had Legion of Boom kind of thinking and trying to, trying to contextualize it with the way some of these other uh, defenses have thought, some of the real successful groups have thought as a group over the years. Well, I mean, think about the bona fides of the guys that you're talking about. Last year, you've got Jacobs coming back off injury. Um, you know, Tracy gets hurt early. Akuda. You know, his mind space was a was a mystery. Now you've got Mosley coming off the injury. You've got Sutton, who knows his bona fides are established. He's got pelts on the wall. He has no questions about who he is. You have Gardner Johnson, who is going to give Jacobs a run for his money mm -hmm. in the attitude department. Um, you've got Branch, who we just talked about, who comes in looking the part of someone who takes this very, very seriously. Um, You've got Campbell now in the middle. Um, Aiden is a is a star. Yeah. You know, Houston yeah. can take that next step. Aleem, once it, you know, please, tiny baby Jesus, if he's just the three tech, can can kind of do the things that he's capable of doing. Um, you know, you've got a a completely different. You've got completely different ingredients. You're cooking something different this year with these players. And it starts with the experience and the confidence of that secondary. And, you know, the only, the only story I could tell you, you mentioned the Legion of Boom. There was a day some years ago, I want to say it was 14, uh, 2014. Um, I was at practice during training camp, a fight broke out and some like soon to be cut 17th string wide receiver took a swing at Richard Sherman and the whole, like it was a team wide brawl and it took 20 minutes to get it broken up. And Pete Carroll was, furious and we were still sitting at the table and now the field is empty we were supposed to be there all afternoon <laughs> he carol makes everybody go inside he paid the entire team on timeout, and so we're sitting there looking at an empty field going huh and out of nowhere comes earl thomas screaming at the top of his lungs he's alone he's the only one on the field and he comes in and slams the table and, and into a live microphone was you will tell everybody defense won today 
You tell him. You tell him we won today. He hit the table again, and all the mics fell over. And then he went out, and I'm like, well, that was, that was Earl Thomas. So uh, I don't defense know what we're doing for the rest of the day, but defense won. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so, you know, that, that kind of attitude, if you've got a few of those guys at the, in the back seven, in that secondary specifically, which, which lacked confidence and lacked an identity and lacked cohesion and lacked production, you know, I mean, all of those things are kind of intermingled. Mm-hmm. If they come out and, and good Lord, they don't have time to wait because they're going to be going up against Patrick Mahomes in week one. Mm-hmm. Um, if they come out and perform, then yeah, look out because Tracy's coming back because Jerry won't shut up because Gardner Johnson's already been on the NFL network talking, promising to talk junk because Mosley and Sutton know what they're doing because Branch is bringing all that Alabama confidence. I mean, it's just on and on and on down the down the line. Um, yeah, they're not they're not going to be at a shortage for um, fuel. I don't think. Yeah. Let's let's talk really quick about that Kansas City game because you and I we were talking about some other things and we just were we decided to have some fun talking football. And you had made a great point about the game in Kansas City that first game, and uh, I think if you don't mind, just just share that again because it was it was. So smart, so right on, and I, and I had you're going to ask me like, to remember what okay. did I say? <laughs> my was complimentary really smart, you're point. Have to jump started. <laughs> my complimentary <laughs> point was they have nothing to lose in that game in Kansas right. City. Um, if they lose, eh, everyone expected them to lose, right? And it's how it was how Campbell set things up and how he set this up in the in the media, yeah, and 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 um, how okay. the how he was looking at it, and and you know my my counterpoint was like I said that it was all about you know they can't they don't have anything to lose because they're expected so much to lose if they win they come out strong and it's great if they lose well they're expected to it's week one you can make a million excuses they won't Dan Campbell won't the right. Lions won't nobody on that team will make excuses for it but you can guarantee that week two they come back and they make up for that and uh, they they then when they meet at the end of the season in February. They can meet again and, and relive that moment and maybe uh, turn the turn the tide, tide on that. So, well, yeah, and I and I think the I think this goes back to that Dory like attention span that we tend to have as fans and especially as a media where we just kind of go around the the fishbowl once and go, hey, look, a castle, and then do another look, hey, it's a castle. Um, we forget like everything about that Kansas City game, the prime time, the impossible destination you can't win in in uh, in kansas city you can't win at arrowhead you can't beat andy reed you can't do all the things dan campbell's going to be able to look these guys in the eye throughout training camp and tell them they've already won this game they won it week 17 against green bay and aaron Rodgers in the winter when you can't beat them and then the seahawks lost and they had nothing to play for and they should fold their tents up and they whooped the packers ass anyway this is all all of the ingredients are there. It's the same Hall of Fame first ballot quarterback, all of the accolades, the prime time, the national audience. Nobody believes it. He can tell them with a straight face, we all know how to win this game because we just did it to end the season. It's the exact same script. And of course, this is something that everybody's losing. Like, well, they can't go to Kansas City. Man, I listen to the same BS leading up to the game at Lambeau. Yep. And I had to deal with I had to deal with one of the guys that I re- I was so happy to find this out. By the way, <laughs> this is me. This is me being petty. Um, I'm, you know, I'm there. there. Were some people I, I'm in from Seattle. Pettyville. I'm from Petty Petty well, Junction. There, some, there were some people in Seattle saying that it should have been against the rules 
or the Seahawks to play before the Lions. They wanted those games played simultaneously because anything else created an unfair advantage because if the Lions knew that they couldn't get in the playoffs, they'd roll over and play dead for Green Bay. And I was, I was screaming at the top of my lungs. I'm like, anybody that tells you that isn't worth listening to. And it turns out that my least favorite person in Seattle was the one saying that. So <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know that at the time, uh, but it made me very happy to find out like, oh, you mean this guy? I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Um, and that's, you know, this going back to your point, the, the same corollary, there's nothing to lose, right? It's the same thing in Green Bay. Well, Seattle won. There's no reason to lose. Doesn't make any difference. All you're going to do is lose draft position, blah, 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 blah. Dan Campbell only knows one way. Yep. He's going through. Yeah. He's going through. You know, it's, it, it's, it, he's already done it and he gets to tell everybody he's done it. This is where that success from last year bleeds over because now it's not theory. Now it's not a hypothesis. Now it's not rah rah. It's like, look, you saw it. We did it. You we, did it. Most of the people in that room. Yeah. You did, did it. Don't, don't even so get your doubt hats on. Yeah. Just go do it. That's what champions do. You go do what you right. know you can do and you've already done it. That's, that's the beauty of this game. And that's where I, a lot of folks that report. And that's why it was such a smart point. Michael. That's why a lot of folks are underselling us. Cause they don't know. They still don't know who Dan Campbell is and who this team is. And, and they tell us Brad Holmes tells us, they keep telling us to our face exactly what they are and what they're doing. And people just don't want to listen. Don't want to listen to what they're being told. It's crazy to me. True. True story. So yeah, your seatbelt gang mentality, send it to Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And boy, if that defense makes Patrick Mahomes look bad, that bandwagon's going to get real big oh, and God. people are going to be getting feet amputated from all the Kool-Aid they're drinking. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Yeah, a lot awesome. of type 2 diabetes flying around. <laughs> hey, Loretto, thank you, man, for the super chat. I said the same thing about Philly week one, and it was scary for Philly. Yeah. There you go. All right. Um, let's get to this. Um, this is a good one. You brought this up, and, I, and I, I want you to try to expound on it a little bit. Well, I know you can. I don't want you to try. I want you to expound upon this for us. Uh, where the Lions are in the rebuild process. We've got a, we, you know, we, we take temperature, take measurements along the way. Uh, we know year one, that Minnesota game, they finally won. Uh, Amon Ra and the goal line, the, 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 the touchdown that was heard around the world for this Lions team, right? That was, that was absolutely the one. And then the growth. And, 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 and the progress and the trajectory since then. But where are we? Because until you take that Lombardi home, the rebuild isn't done, right? You're never right. done. So where are we on this, in this process, Michael? What do we got going on? Well, I think, I think the thing that, that brought it up is there are a couple of people that I listen to, shows I listen to, who I think are reasonably smart. They're not plugged into every team. They've got their guys. But their, their analysis of the Lions draft is, well, these guys think they're ready. They like that's what the that's what the draft told them is that yeah. Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell <laughs> think they're ready. And and they were both astounded. They're like, how could they think they're ready? And and that's when it occurred to me, I'm like, huh, what does ready mean? You know, what it what does ready mean? Because if you you know the the guy who is it, Travis Fulham at ESPN, mm -hmm. he set the over under at nine and a half, mm -hmm. said he's not on the bandwagon, he took eight wins. Uh, I'm looking at the roster, like you can make a case that the schedule is gonna be a little bit tougher but I can never buy strength of schedule because every year at this time we're talking about who's going to be good. And then every year in November, we're like, well, they turned out to be ass. So <laughs> that game doesn't really matter anymore. And this team that was supposed to suck ended up being really good. And so your strength of schedule can flip 
um, your strength of schedule is always going to be uh, really, really strong when you're the terrible team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. When, when you're the three and 14 team, your strength of schedule is always strong because you suck. Um, so that, that argument kind of messes with me a little bit, but you can't look at this roster and think they're taking a step back. You can't look at the division without Aaron Rodgers and think they're taking a step back. You can be high as you want on Justin Fields, but Chicago's still got things to do. Um, I don't know anybody that believes Minnesota is going to win any more point three point games like they did last year, like 11 times, you yeah. know, where they win by fractions. That, that's, that's a tough yeah. one to live by, man. <laughs> At 13, what was it, 13 wins and a negative point differential? I mean, numerically, that should be impossible. Yeah. That's yeah. the Chargers the year. They had the number one offense and the number one defense, and they went eight and eight. I don't, I don't, I don't even know how that, like, oh. <laughs> uh, that one hurts my brain. So I don't know how you look at the, the overall situation with all of these teams and think they're taking a step back. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it, it brought it to mind because I think, I think you and I think, yeah, yeah no, okay, it's, it's go time, you know. You might not be the Super Bowl champion, but you need to be a problem. This is the year you become a problem. This is the year the whole team becomes James Houston. Yeah. Um, you know, and and then you just stay there. Then you're then you're Baltimore and you just you're a problem. Every year that people see the Ravens on the schedule, they're like, ah, oh, these guys. You know, I, I go back, there was a guy on the East Coast, said it after the Philadelphia game against Detroit. He said the overwhelming thought. In the, in the locker room after that win for Philly was that sucked. Like that was not fun. Yeah. We do not like playing those guys, <laughs> you know, and that was the first game of the year in a game they won. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, that was his impression was the overall feeling in the locker room was like, that sucked. Those guys just, they don't stop, you know? <laughs> and if you do that now with talent and you do it with confidence and you do it with some more experience, I don't know how you can't think that they're ready to take that next step, but there are plenty of people out there in the, in the national media realm that don't. Yeah, no, no. And, and, and that's that I think that's their mistake. I think also the whole concept, Oh, they think they're ready. This is that, that kind of that arrogance, that misplaced arrogance that really, I believe should have been tamped hard when you look at the, the quality and the, or the success rate on these mock drafts. That came out this year. The the yeah. the NFL does not believe or agree with the ninety nine point nine percent of the people doing mock drafts, right? I mean, it, right. It, it, they missed by ten miles. How are they able to evaluate talent on the teams themselves? Then on who's ready and who's not. Now, if I look at the Detroit Lions, I don't know that their moves say I'm ready. I'm there. I don't think any team ever like Bill Belichick. I'll just go back to the dynasty that was the Patriots. I don't think he ever said. The team's ready. It was always evolving. He won with a quarterback and two different teams, right? He he won it all that way yeah. because they weren't ready to keep going. They're always working. Um. So so the idea, oh, they think they're ready. That's a little bit condescending, and 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 I think the Lions, you know, the players will take issue with that. I think the coaching staff will take issue with that. I think you see it, you know, um, Aaron Glenn wearing the salty shirt, right? I mean, he's he's like, oh no, we're ready. We know we're ready, right? But I think from a talent perspective, you're always building. I think they know. I think this is a Detroit Lions team that, that will absolutely make the playoffs this year. That has an absolute opportunity to win one, maybe more games. They could they could go all the way, depending on how a lot of things break. There's there's a lot of things that have to happen to see that kind of success. But this is a team that could do it. 
This is the team finally that has the talent and the coaching and the playmakers that can do something like that if the things go the right way. And that's the first step is to be in a position where if things go the right way, you can do it. The next step then is to start to to get yourself, force yourself to be in that position to where you, things will be ready and get you there to be able to do it. So, um, well, yeah, in a I, funny think, spot. I think for me, yeah, I think for me, the, the next step for Dan Campbell is to build the expectation. Yep. Like the, the expectation you can't, you, I mean, all the platitudes about like, Oh, every year's a championship opportunity. And like, like I, I spent a couple of years in Seattle. I heard all of the Pete Carroll always compete isms, you know, and I was there for Russ, go Hawks, uh, all the, the, all the, all the stuff, all the sloganeering. Right. And I'm allergic to it. I'm a Gen Xer. I'm jaded by, you know, nature. Um, but that's, that's the next step is to come in and go, yeah, obviously we're going to go to the playoffs and then to do the work to go to the playoffs. Because that's where teams fall apart. Their expectation can't be the same as as arrogance. Mm-hmm. It can't be the same as as being aloof. You know, you've got to you still got to earn it, but you've got to expect to earn it. Yeah, if that makes sense. You oh, know, hundred like percent. We we expect to do the work. We've got the bodies in here. We know how to do it. Now we have to execute. And then there's the other side of that that equation. Oh, they think they're ready. Mm-hmm. that's a mindset like right. the Rams had we're ready. We're going all in. That's this. That's right. not, that's not the Holmes approach. This is a sustained quality approach that you're, you, you see from Brad Holmes. He's these one year deals are absolute dead giveaways that we're building a sustained quality. Sounds contrarian. Yeah. yeah right. A one year deal. That's just all in. That's not, that's not a, uh, we're in a lot. We're in it for the long haul. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> Our cap. Compare our cap to the guy who was in it for the long haul and Bob Quinn or Martin Mayhew or down the line, down the line. Right. I mean, this is a guy who's building the team for the long haul, managing the cap, managing the talent and understanding what he has to face with contracts coming up. This is a team that is very, very potentially ready, but it's not a just ready now. This is a ongoing ready state. That's what they're building. Yeah. That's what they're building. Pouring pouring foundations. Yep. For sure. You pour enough foundation. Next thing you know, you're on the hundredth floor. <laughs> All right, let's see. We'll keep going. Um, Want to rehit this for folks who weren't here at the very beginning? Uh, training camp party on August fifth. Tickets go on sale this weekend. Uptown Uptown Grill. We have always have great great guests. Jerry Jacobs was there last year. Um, uh, Dan Miller, uh, Justin Rogers. Always have great guests, great stuff. Make sure you join us. Get your tickets this weekend. You'll have there's dinner, there's soft drinks, all a, a part of the ticket. That's what the ticket pays for. And uh, like last year, Jerry stayed, met with everybody, shook hands, took pictures, signed stuff. It was a fantastic time. We'll do something very similar this year. I guarantee it. You'll have a great time. Tickets on sale this weekend. Training camp party, August fifth, Uptown Grill. It's a Saturday, and uh, we'll have fun. All right, let's get into it. There's something, something going on. It's like having a rock in my shoe. <laughs> Every time I look around, right? I've been working a lot lately. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, every time I look, I hear this, this stuff about trades and the silliest of trades. And I feel like, you know, people have just thrown away the whole idea of understanding negotiating <laughs> or what's involved or what it means or how to do it. Mr. Gray, can you, can you start talking about Quinn and Williams? Well, insanity that's let's going first on let's first go back to the nature of the word rumor all right if someone somewhere with i don't know internet access 
makes up a hypothetical situation where the Lions could trade for Quentin Williams, and then someone else, somewhere else, with internet access, says, well, did you hear the rumor? Not a rumor! That's just some shit somebody made up! Oh, <laughs> like, well, this is just... we're. We're just living in the world of make believe. Like, well, hold on, Michael. Okay, Did so you hear? I want to take both. There. I want to take both parts in one step. Did you hear that Matthew Stafford's coming back to back up Jared Goff? It's the rumor. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't he? You know. <laughs> I expect he that. Want to end here in, in, in <laughs> career in Detroit, right? So we're gonna change Jameson was, Williams' number every season. He's doing it to get his ring. <laughs> <laughs> See. So yeah. Um, and man, don't be surprised. I see that somewhere tomorrow. No, so let's start there. And then, you know, and then the idea, and this goes right back to the other thing we were talking about. Where are they? Because in the Slack, the smartest Lions talk you can find. Say it again. Um, despite my presence, by the way, <laughs> despite the fact that I'm always in there, just, I, I, I just, I get too big a kick out of walking in, just lobbing a grenade, leaving, coming back in 45 minutes later to see what kind of damage has been done. Um, at any rate, um, the number of people that that believe in their hearts as fans, and again, educated fans, they trade for Quinn and Williams. They're a Super Bowl contender. Like right now, today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like going back to the where are they? And I find myself going, wait, they're a they're a superstar defensive tackle away? They might that might that makes them closer than I thought. You know? <laughs> and then and then to see the trade value bantered around, like, well, I give up two ones and a three. Like, hang on. Wait, what? You're giving away an entire draft class for a defensive tackle? Remember when when trading for quarterbacks was a bad idea? Like, what are we doing? And and then there's the, oh yeah, by the way, there's no way in hell the Jets are going to trade him. It's off the table. I say this this every year uh, to anybody who will listen um, when it comes time for holdouts, right? Every year, there's a couple of players that are going to hold out. If your only leverage is to lose money that you otherwise would make, you don't have much leverage. <laughs> like in, in the world of negotiation, if the only thing you can do is drop a rock on your foot every day you're missing <laughs> camp, that's not a great spot. You know, again, going back to my Seahawks experience, I was there for the Marshawn Lynch one. And there was a big countdown and then, oh, he's lost $60,000. He's lost $80,000. He didn't lose a dime. He came back. The team wrote him a check. All was well. And he played, you know, <laughs> but even he, as hard headed as he could be, like, you're just losing money. Like that's your, that's your overhand, well, right? It's not, it's not a great punch. The other thing that people seem to ignore is, well, yeah, the Jets are out. They this is this is a tank year for them. That's why they signed Aaron Rodgers, right? Right. Because <laughs> they don't want to win. They're they they don't need a defensive tackle where we would. That's the difference for us. But for them, <laughs> yeah, right. Not at all. We'll make a difference for them and their yeah. and their tank year here. Yeah, Hello. yeah. Their head coach Robert Sala doesn't give a damn about defense anyway. He's an <laughs> offensive guru. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's a defensive lunatic. He's not letting Quentin Williams go. <laughs> There's no Tom Lawand in the Jets facility. They're not letting a superstar defensive tackle sign with the Dolphins. It's not happening, okay? They're not going to lowball somebody and then come back at the last minute and go, oh, no, he's leaving. Like, that's not going to happen. It's just not how it works. <laughs> no. no. It's just not. So it's funny. It's, it's, it's like these things. Rumors are great. It's that kind of, it's that time of year. 
when people don't have something to talk oh, yeah, about and sure. they have to they have to grind something up and create a mid-may man yeah oh god we're not done with mother's day gotta make some stuff up wait till you hear what's coming out on father's day bro <laughs> maybe i maybe i broke it too early the, the stafford news right <laughs> right <laughs> Oh my goodness! June, early July. The, oh, the only, the only real benefit there is most of the media is is taking their vacation time. The NFL media, so it doesn't get a chance to get legs on some of these these silliness. So, well, and the nice part is the weather's nice enough to where you can distract yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's the true magic of football season is that it eats up our time with good stuff when the weather sucks. So, yep, yep. You know, yep. You, of course, you're in Florida. You don't. You don't feel that pain. No, it's terrible. I cover my patio furniture here in the next month and it's, I don't take the covers off till October. Ugh, it's horrible outside. <laughs> I shoveled snow here three weeks ago. I'd like to slap you through the screen if I could. <laughs> I'd like that too. Uh, all right, let's move on. <laughs> the, uh, really quick. Thank you, Flounder. Thank you very much. Welcome to silly season. Thank you for the super chat. I get my 3d galaxy float away uh interstellar uh let's uh <laughs> so i want to i want to give a shout out to uh an amazing group of people and uh, we've talked about them before um they're just they're just they just are so good at their job the lion's social media team their media team in in general they just put out such great quality content and are so on top of it and are so talented and what makes the people who are in front of the camera, and I'm not saying this in a way to diminish the people in front of the camera, so please don't take this the wrong way, anybody. But what makes that them so good is the people behind the camera doing all the work, the the graphics and the production, all that stuff. They are their top shelf. And and as we know, um, a couple people, uh, Sam Man's one of them, a couple other people know folks who work at other teams and with other social media teams in the NFL. And those teams are all in awe of what the Detroit Lions uh, team does. So huge, huge props to them for the inside the den episodes, the, the the access they give to the players, the just the great, great work they do. Um, I want to talk about that schedule release because it was fantastic. And I want to give them a little bit of love because there's one thing it's always about us. Like it, it, I'm, as soon as I'm done talking about me, Michael, I'll stop and I'll let you talk about me. But I think the, <laughs> the thing that they did like in the very, very beginning, it's, this is something, and, and there may be no connection, but I, I, I have to feel there is cause they know what's going on out in the world. Um, Brad Holmes made a comment, an AI comment. I gotta say that straight, <laughs> the correct way. And it was based on something right. that we've really been the only people to keep alive from hard knocks. And it was one of the most important things I think to come out of it. And it was, you know, <laughs> First, it was Coach Campbell talking about these nuts. And then <laughs> we had the AI put there and uh, Holmes said, oh, wait, we could say anything. We could say um, these nuts again. That's right. Sure could. Um, it was awesome. I mean, we've been we've been <laughs> pounding the table <laughs> for that one for these nuts. And uh, they, 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 they kind of did an homage to that right away. I don't know, man. I love it. Thanks. Thanks to the social media team. They, they did a little bit of, you know. Uh, Easter Easter eggs throughout for, for different things for folks. And uh, I, I, I like to think that one was for us because frankly, these nuts, it's ours. <laughs> and we'll own it forever. So uh, thank you, coach Campbell. Thank you. Lions social media team. You guys are spectacular at what you bring. And I mean, as a fan, you talk about, they're really taking the place of 
what a lot of the media should have been doing in connecting us to the team yeah. and its and its people. Yeah, and I'm you know there's a couple of things I do um, specifically the the hallway cam thing where there's yeah. just there's a placard yeah. yep. and it tells yep. them like hey wish your mom a happy Mother's Day or you know whatever the the question is what what athlete if you could switch with any athlete who would you be turns out everybody wants to be LeBron yes. um, so you know those those kinds of things are really really cool uh, the one thing I will say and I and I don't want to speak out of both sides of my mouth one thing I will defend the local guys on is. They have to be there when the news is bad. Yeah. The social media team, it's always a good day to be on the social media team. <laughs> you, 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 find, you find a way. You can turn that frown upside down a million ways because you don't ever have to ask the coach the bad question. You don't, you don't have to be the one to ask Dan Campbell for the 17th time whether or not he'd like that decision in Minnesota back. P.S. Spoiler alert. He would. He said he would. He said yeah. it keeps it up at night. Stop asking that damn question. Um, you know, it's like he answered you and then he answered you again. And then he told you he answered you. Um, but yeah, the, the social media team gets a gets an opportunity, again, to be that conduit. You don't need to know anybody's DVOA. I don't need anybody that's going to report to me yards per carry. I have that. Achoo. It's right here on my phone. Um, and so, you know, getting getting the human aspect of that and getting to see those guys react in real time. Um, the Inside the Den series, the video production on that is as good as Hard Knocks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's as good. A lot fewer F-bombs. Um, but Well, and their ability to evoke emotion, because that's one of the things that I love about video yeah. and creating video is, and, and, and I learned that, I mean, I did it years ago for my parents' anniversary. I put a, put a video together for party, a surprise party we did. wasn't a dry eye in the house. It was this whole, this is your life kind of a thing, right? And I was, I, I really understood the power of video and 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 I, I say this not in a in an evil you know Doctor Evil way, but the ability to manipulate folks's emotions and feelings through that medium, and the social media team does such a great job when they tell some of these player stories when they go back home and 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 in in inside the den the sense of that you feel from some of these players they do a great job of helping you have feelings you didn't know you were going to have when you hit the play button on that video. It just, it's just absolutely compelling. They're, they're so talented at what they do. It's, it's incredible. And I know there's some people saying, well, it's, it's a lot easier when you have a winning team, but they were there and they were doing it great when it was a losing team. And, and I'll say like, you know what, on August, we're about a month away. We'll be starting our ninth year. We've been doing this for eight years. We've, we've been through some bad, bad years, a series of so many, bad post game shows after losses right it's 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 a, it's a slog to make it through when things are bad it's social media team maybe has it a little bit e easier of course than the than the guys in the media um but they were there at good times and bad they're there and they're and they're selling the team i mean that's that's their job but boy they're doing a great job polishing up something that's pretty pretty looking pretty good already yeah yeah and they and they put you know uh, the other thing that they do i think really really well um, and this is reflective throughout everything going on with the team. They illustrate to you how comprehensive everything is. From Sheila on down to Brad, on down to Dan, on down to the team, um, all the way through that organization, you know, you get a sense for that cohesion and, and the fact that they are all on the same page and cut from the same cloth and, you know, insert your favorite cliche here, but it's real. Yeah. They're actually doing it. Um, that's, that's not a joke. So, um, that's something I think they present really, really well too. Yeah. Uh, Dandy's nuts. Lions have the best 
most talented roster ever. It's their, it's their time. And then Duncan D's nuts. I played that a couple times. He's like Beetlejuice. You play that three times and uh, he shows up. This is the all right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, this is good. This is good. All right. Let's see Uh, really quick for all the folks uh, watching right now. We do this once a show. We ask you, please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Um, You're here. You're watching. It's free. It just takes a second. We're not going away when you do it. It doesn't interrupt the show or anything, but it helps other people find us, helps us out, helps us do the, honest thing in media that we continue to do helps us kick off our ninth year of coverage and even better bigger than before so uh hit the like button hit the subscribe we appreciate all you folks when you do that it does mean a great deal to us and helps us out a lot you know the all, all the algorithm stuff so um i'm not gonna if you don't you. do it chris kicks a puppy a lot of people don't realize that yeah it's my neighbor's yeah. puppy though so i don't have to deal with it <laughs> okay that's awful I know that's awful I mean, it's not a cat. <laughs> I would never I could get behind it then. <laughs> any kind of animal, particularly a pet. Okay, I have to put that out there. Oh man. Okay, here we go. Let's um let's get into this. We've got another topic. It is the perceived value versus relative value. What the hell are you talking? It's the lion's approach versus other teams. And I'm going to try in engineering school. Yeah, this is apparently are. a math 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 class. I'm glad you didn't throw away your slide rule there, Grandpa. All right. Theoretical <laughs> physics. Do I need my TI-85? <laughs> it's This is more economics, comparative advantage type of thing, and trades for okay. for value. Um, it, it started out, I was, I literally, I was thinking about this in a meeting. That's how excited work was today. Um <laughs> The GMs, uh, GMs establish themselves over time and they, they establish confidence over time. Some come in with it, some earn it, but either way, they wind up with confidence, whether well-deserved or not. And it affects in their thinking. Their thinking evolves as they take the role as a GM on a team. Brand, Brad Holmes has now, you know, he knew he had value. He believed in himself when he came to the Lions. He's now got a couple drafts under his belt. He's got a system in place now. He, he truly right. believes he has what it takes to get what he wants. And he understands that what he wants is the right thing for this Detroit Lions team. Okay. He is certain that he has the right formula. His confidence is up for him. Okay. And this is all other things being equal. So let's think of this in comparatively and not like a one-to-one direct, you know, comparison, but he believes his draft picks are higher than the formula value for the value of a known player because he believes one player for those two draft pick picks, he'll turn around more value out of that. Whereas many teams, and I would say Minnesota is one of them based on the Hawkinson trade last year, Holmes knew what he had in Hawkinson. He knew he wasn't really buying into it. He wasn't giving it as all. He wasn't just in fully. Um, Brad knew I can get more value out of draft picks than I am. than I'm going to get out of Hawkinson. I know he's got a contract coming up. I can do the, the equation. That's what I'm going to do. I believe in what I'm going to pick where Minnesota. It's not even just a win now mentality. They believed that that Hawkinson player not only helped put him over the top, but gave him all the value they needed to win that. And they were willing to give up draft picks because they value them and believe in themselves less. They won't say it outwardly, but believe in their ability to hit on those draft picks and believe there's less value in those draft picks than there was in the player. Now, of course, you engineer a trade based on mutually agreed upon value and that kind of thing. But this this perceived value of 
uh, a GM has on one piece or the other and where they are in their building their team versus the value of the player, I think is interesting. And I think it gives somebody like Brad Holmes a heck of a lot more freedom in building out his team. Like honey badger, don't give a shit, right? <laughs> he's, he's right. trading Hawkinson. He's just doing it and taking the picks. He knows I'm not paying him. So I've saved myself money. He knows I'm going to hit on those picks. I'm going to get more value than I had with Hawkinson. He knows that he's walking away better, long-term, stronger, long-term for the Detroit lions. And you know, what's short term for Minnesota, they've got a whole lot. They've got a whole lot of problems they've got to deal with uh, right. walk, <laughs> walking defensive players still over the cap. Hawkinson, they're going to have to pay. And it was like, well, they will be better there than we would with these old draft picks, which we could use to get players that are cheaper and fix our cap problems. But no, we don't believe that we're going to be able to do that. It's interesting for me. So I, I just want to get your perception, your perception on how an approach would change for uh, for a GM based on their confidence. And, and I think Holmes's confidence is built upon success, but their confidence in what they can do with the value they receive in return. Well, this is where the draft nerdery, the, the journal nerdery kind of ends up chasing its own tail in thinking about this. I read, um, I read, uh, is, is it Arif Hassan or Arif? I don't want to mispronounce his name. I don't want to disrespect him. We'll just go I, I Hassan. Say his, his first. <laughs> but he, he wrote a, a write up and ranked, Every offense for the upcoming season. In Detroit, do you know where? He, did you read the article? I, I didn't see this one. No. If you if you had to guess out of thirty two teams, where do you think he'd rank Detroit's offense? I have to say thirty two. <laughs> Seventeen. Okay. Okay, well, that's fair. Seventeen. They were four. Now seventeen. Now here's the funny thing. This is this is where your your argument and and this thing with Brad comes together. He listed the three reasons the offense was unsustainable. Explosive non-quarterback runs, yak dependency, and turnover luck. So Brad Holmes brings in Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, David Montgomery. Doesn't that sound like somebody who's increasing his reliance on yak dependency, non-quarterback explosive runs, turnover margin? Like you, when you look at the, it's funny because sometimes you get the idea that the the critics that want to suss out the the most negative possible outcome for this team, their their vision isn't that different than Brad Holmes at all. He sees the same problems Brad Holmes sees, and I know that because Brad Holmes fixed them. He fixed those problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He addressed those problems. You want yak dependency? Here's Sam Laporta and Jameer Gibbs. Give them the ball in space. And then meet them in the end zone to give them a high five when they're done yeah. running away from everybody. Yeah. You know, you want explosive non-quarterback runs. Let's revamp the entire running back room. And one of those guys isn't really a running back. Going back to your original point, you know, I, I wanted to sit on this because Bijan is a running back. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. First class. If they'd have drafted him, I'm not complaining. Not a bit. They have been so deliberate and so careful. And this is, again, where they tell you exactly what the hell they're doing. They won't call him a running back. They call him a weapon. Right. They keep calling him a weapon. Dan Campbell has been very deliberate about calling him a weapon. You don't think that Ben Johnson's in the lab right now, cooking up ways to line him up wide, line him up in the slot, line him up as a, in a two-back set, line him up 22 personnel. Like He's going to have him in every conceivable spot. And like the rest of Ben Johnson's offense, he can line him up in the same spot, five times in a row and run five completely different looks. So, you know, I think 
that's where the rubber meets the road on some of this stuff is you see guys that can accurately diagnose the problem. What they fail to understand is that they might find agreement in Brad Holmes's office. He's just playing check chess to your checkers and he fixed it already. Yeah. Fix the problem before it, it gets worse. You know, DeAndre Swift is good in, you know, yak yards. Great. Let's find somebody better. Let's find two people better. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. find three people better. You know, going back to your uh, you know, your point about Hawkinson, you were gonna lose you were gonna let him go, you weren't gonna pay him. Get something. Yeah. Get some more swings at the pinata. Go get some draft picks. But I don't think he sees that as swings as the pinata. I mean, most most people do, right? But I don't think Holmes sees draft picks as swings at the pinata. I think he believes those as in in true value. He will get the value for those picks. Oh, yeah. And, may, and maybe relative value higher than other people would. Well, and and I don't, you know, I don't mean that in a neutral sense, but you know, go go get something for a guy that you know has no future. Even if it's in the division, even if especially if it's in the division, because now you got to pay him. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> like, you know. Um, so quick quote, quote from uh, the from the chat, Dr. Troy. Yes, we draft all players to cover for Goff's negative. I think in the last quarterback, they said, oh, we surround our quarterback with an offense so he can perform. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just different words for exactly what they did then, too. Um, the, the Goff thing is interesting. Hey, well, yeah, let's let's let me just get one more comment. Well, let's let's you know. dive into golf a little bit because I because I sure. this is a great discussion. I know it's polarizing for a lot of people. Uh, Ryan Williams, he's a weapon who's going to run the ball out of the backfield, sometimes block or catch out of the backfield like a running back. Don't be surprised when he's split into the slot when he's he's in all kinds of other positions as well. Unlike a running back. All right, go ahead, Michael. Un, uh, go ahead and hit your golf yeah. thing. He was the leading receiver for Alabama. Like. I don't, I don't know what else you need to know. <laughs> you know, they, they play, they know a little bit about football down there in Tuscaloosa. He caught a lot of balls. Um, yeah. The, the, the golf thing is going to be, you know, this is where in that last video I did earlier in the week, you know, you know, there are a lot of people lined up for their, I told you so's mm-hmm. the folks, the pro football focus folks that didn't like the draft value and the opportunity cost and all the other calculus they want to do. Um, and what they really are mad about and they can't say it is that, I need to be better at guessing than the other guys who are trying to do the guessing because I need to make my money from guessing. And if I guess better, it doesn't matter if the, if the team sucks. They're not invested in the least in the team's performance. They want their guesses to be better than someone else's guesses because guessing is how they make their money. And, and um, just just to, to put it, they take subjective data and chart it and they, they have a methodology. That's fine. And right. they turn subjective data into what they want to refer to as objective data. And there's there's a translation piece there that isn't is not near perfect. And they've got a product to sell. Right. That, that's really what it comes right. down to. And so 100%. their guesses need to be better so they can say their data is better so they can sell their product. That's really the, the, the line of sight directly into what it's all about. Well, and I can't even be mad about it. I mean, it's, no, you know, it's, they're trying to make money. And I don't believe I don't believe for a second they're being disingenuous. I think they probably want to do good work. Yeah, I think this 100%. is they take very, very seriously. Yeah. But they're also personally invested in it. And this, you know, this comes back to the conversation about the journos and, and writers and everything. When you start to become a part of the story, the golf thing is the linchpin in everybody's argument about, you know, limits on this offense. You know, and I've been guilty of it, too. I mean, I, I <laughs> somebody can go back through my Twitter feed. It's all there. I don't delete the stuff. Um, you know, I said 
to start every game in 2021 that the only guy who wanted his wanted Jared Goff quarterbacking his team less than me was Sean McVay. Like, I, I had it programmed to go out every Sunday. Like, I can't stand this guy. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Matt Stafford a lot. I don't know what we're doing anymore. Um, you know, then he comes out and I think I learned a lesson. And again, this goes back to the, the cultural piece. What have you gotten him? One of the, one of the things that's gone almost completely unrecognized is that Brad Holmes knew that he had a guy that was going to take that kick to the taint for 17 weeks on a team that couldn't win and not go bad. He wasn't going to sell anybody out. He wasn't going to become a diva. He wasn't going to turn on anyone. And, and in the middle of a terrible year where his, his coach absolutely, you know, just punked him and then trades for Stafford, then the Rams actually win the thing. I mean, you know, his terrible, awful, really bad day just would not end for 17 weeks. And I think that's one of the things that I had to, I had to steer, wrap my head around. It's like, all right, he went through that. Mm-hmm. And we know how Detroit fans are about the quarterback. People wanted, you know, had Statford. That yeah. was a thing. Yeah. Suddenly looks really good in Rams colors. You know, everybody, oh, man, he was always, he's always been great. Like, really? Because I'm pretty sure you wanted him canned, you know, six weeks ago. Yep. yep. Um, he went through all of that. Then last year got to shut everybody up with his play. And now, like the rest of this team, whether it's the secondary or the running back room or anything other than Jamison Williams, he gets to come out with every reason to exceed expectations from a year ago. Yeah. And, you know, I doubt him, doubt him at your own peril. I, I think I've come around to like, all right, you know, people tell this guy that he stinks and that he can't play and that he's no good and that he needs this and he needs that. And then he just goes out and wins games. So, yeah. Um, you know, let's see. Good on him. There's a, there's a lot going on. Let's just talk about um, sixth in attempts last year, sixth. In yards passed, seems like you can throw the ball. Uh, fifth in passing touchdowns, seems like you can throw the ball pretty good. Uh, seven, oh, sorry, 24th in interceptions with only seven. His deep ball was like, or I don't have that number in front of me. I'm working for it. It's like fourth somewhere in the league. It was super yeah. high in, in, in throwing, uh, throwing his deep ball. Um, the guy had well, a great and, year. The guy had a great year and, last year. Fifth, fifth in touchdowns. In, in, the context is important. Fifth in touchdowns in the same year that a running back set the franchise record for rushing touchdowns. Great point. Like great point. It, you know that, and that's not a statement. Of, that's not just a statement about golf. That's a statement about the performance of this offense. So when I go back and I find somebody who's telling me that he expects them to be the seventeenth best offense in the league, I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. We got guys setting records through the air. And on the ground, um, you know, yeah. uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not adding two and two and getting seventeen. And so. you, you got golf plays better in play action mode. Okay, cool. Let's have a play action offense. <laughs> We're all set well, for it, aren't we? Like, and, gosh, <laughs> again, again, who did who did they draft at twelve? Yeah, exactly. You've got, you know, you've got two running backs, a fake handoff to either one of them, and those linebackers are on the hook. So. Have a day, Amon Ross St. Brown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I think everything is set up for him to succeed. Now, you look at Matthew Stafford, how great he was. He could put a team on his back and carry him. He never won 
a play a, a playoff game for the Lions in all his years here. Um, so he didn't quite carry the team. And I'm not ta- I'm not dogging on Stafford here, right? But I'm just trying to give some 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 fairness to the comparison. Um, evidently, Matthew Stafford couldn't win until he's surrounded by a team either, because once he got surrounded well, by good players, he went and he won. He won. He won all kinds of playoff it, games. I would I would take that one step further. I've always felt like that that plane needs to go all the way up to forty thousand feet before you take a look. He needed to be in an organization that was run right. Yes. And he never was. No. Like I would I selfishly, I you know, I would have loved for Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell to show up a year sooner. Yeah. If only because that would have gotten Matt Patricia out of my life a year sooner. Um, but if if he would have been able to play for an organization run by Sheila Hamp and not Martha, yeah, you know, and not William Clay and not deal with all of the, you know, the Tom Lawans of the world and all of that nonsense. Um, um, you know, I I think, I think it's more than just the team around him because the Mm -hmm. team around him is born of the organization. And that's the overriding point I take, you know, with this off season with Detroit is the, the real value. The draft picks are the result of a culture The the, the coaches are selected as Dre Bly was hired as a result of a culture. Gardner Johnson gets signed as a free agent as a result of a culture and an agreement and everybody being on the same page, pulling on the same rope in the same direction at the same time. Matt Stafford never played for an organization that was doing that until he went to LA and then he won the whole damn thing. Yeah, um, and, and let's, you know. let's be honest. LA wasn't doing that when Goff was there either. When Goff was doing poorly, no. LA was not doing that either. And that's, that's, I, I think, so here's the thing, right? And this is one of, we talk about how just in this show, we were talking about how the lions and Brad Holmes is building a team for longevity or not the flash in the pan, the longevity, but they're also building. Do you, keep, do you mean to say longevity? Longevity. <laughs> is longevity. I don't think that's a word. Is longitude. Like no, no, longevity. Meridian? I think it's a word. I think it's a word. If not, it means the same you as longevity. That, <laughs> I said that earlier. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to Google that one. I, I will. I will. Either someone <laughs> in the someone in the, the chat. Somebody will hit me. us up. Yeah, they'll get us. Um, but so 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 that's the kind of the 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 x axis, right? But the y axis is the organization. That's the other thing they're building here is from top to bottom, right. like you said, towing the line from Sheila all the way down. And when they talk about who's communicating and. <laughs> You get questions back to this from where we started. Back in the it's a castle. Oh, it's Broadwood making football decisions. Like like a lack of understanding of what was being put together there was it was incredible. Top to bottom, left to right, they're building this team and this organization to support Matthew Stafford would be doing wonderfully in this organization. I agree with you 100%, Michael. But we've got Jared Goff, and Jared Goff is going to do wonderfully in this organization. Oh, are they building a team around him? Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, Tom Brady, they built a second team around him to go win Super Bowls. That's kind of what you do. You build your team around your quarterback, and if you don't, you tend to lose your job. Oh, BK, thank you. I coined a word. God damn it. Oh, wait, longevity is a word, but is the definition right? That's the next part. (laughs) No, longevity. I put it in my phone and it said, do you mean longevity? I was like, yeah, I think I do. God dang it. Okay, yeah, longevity is, longevity isn't or wasn't until 60 seconds ago. There we go. I own that. See, and look, I say this from years of doing sports radio. I had a co-host that used to say comfortability all the time. I'm like, you mean comfort? You mean comfort? Like, oh, you, you want to be comfortable? So you have great comfort with the situation? No, comfortability. I'm like, 
think that's like three t- syllables too many. Like, no, <laughs> it's an ability to be comfortable. It's you, you've, you've actually <laughs> okay. saved time. It's like the whole well, Michigan thing. And saying, instead of saying, did you eat? Jeet, right? I mean, you got it right there. You got it done. Thanks. Yeah, Longevity. Now I sound smart. Never mind. <laughs> I added a whole extra well, it turns out that <laughs> I bring that up because it turns out that actually was a word. And I, I went off for like two minutes on the air and then people started emailing me going, Hey idiot. Um, you're wrong. Comfortability <laughs> may not be commonly used, but it is a word. And like, Oh, so I'm the jerk. All right. Fair enough. Um, so when I heard longevity, oh, I was like, hmm. all right. Riz in the chat. Uh, I take anyway, a week off and Chris oh. makes up words. <laughs> <laughs> It's not the only time. Well, you're not going to get that past him. <laughs> it's my freaking job, walking says. encyclopedia. <laughs> um, no, here's the thing, um, because and this can't be lost, and I, and I, and it's something that I still think is super impressive. All the things you said about golf are true. Yeah, they believe in him. He's rewarded that belief. They've continued to build around him, and they brought in Hendon Hooker. Mm-hmm. Because they weren't going to do the eggs and baskets thing and be so heavily leveraged in one direction with two years left on a quarterback's contract and a lot of questions about a salary and an extension and other things. And they weren't going to leave themselves with no other plan. Hendon Hooker's a viable player. 100%. And he's a, and he's a dude who, out of the box, you do the you do the big um the, do the big unboxing that they do on YouTube that my kids watch. I don't know whether oh I'm gonna watch somebody else have fun stuff. I, I still I'm, I'm old <laughs> anyway. So you do the unboxing on Hendon Hooker and out of the box with packing peanuts all over the floor. He can do things right now today if his knee's healthy that Jared Goff will never be able to do. Yeah, with his yeah. legs. Yeah, absolutely. he brings you a dynamic to that offense that I mean. Whether he can throw, we'll see. If he can learn NFL offenses, we'll see. But they didn't sit on that as good as they feel about him. Hundred percent. That was that warmed my heart as a fan in a way. Like, okay, we're not going to do the blind spot thing. We're not going to double, triple, quadruple down on Joey Harrington. We're not going to do that. That's even the- if you believe him, even if he's good. Make sure the team is in good shape otherwise. And that's the money. By the play. flood insurance. Yeah, that's the money play. Because everybody yeah. makes it an either or. Either you're all in on golf and that's it, or right. you're all out on golf and that's it. And the idea of bringing in a guy, Hooker's the perfect guy to bring in. He's the perfect guy because he's a threat to golf, just not right now. Right. And that's exactly what you need to get the very, very best out of Jared right. Goff this year. And now Everything keeps rolling forward. And I mean, but he's four I, years younger than golf. He buys, you've got a decade of quarterback play between these two guys for sure. Well, and I feel like, you know, around September every day, Hendon Hooker should just be in front of golf. Like soon, you know, <laughs> just like TikTok, let's go, you know? Um, so don't have a bad practice. And I think, you know, the, the motivation there, if you thought if you thought your quarterback was going to rest on his laurels, if you thought he might come in lazy, if you thought he might not be motivated, light a fire under his ass with a guy that by November mm, could make a case. Yeah, I had that. Uh, it made me happy. Uh, yeah. Made me happy. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I same here. And that's that's the thing. Like, 
I am people paint me as like this, this massive golf lover. I do like golf and I think they can win with him. I think he can take you all the way to the top with the, with the, with the Detroit lions. I think he can with this organization, with how they build the organization. I think he can, I don't think you should sell the team for him solely. Like I'm not against getting, I'm against going out and, and, and throwing, you know, Anthony Richardson at six. I don't know. Maybe I, I, I was, I didn't like him at six. I still didn't like him at six. I think, I think all you do is screw up your quarterback room. If, if that's your play, I, I really do. I think you cause yourself a year or two of pain before you get any value out of that. And this team, it, they think they're ready now, <laughs> according to the, 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 the uh, national well, media. Um, they may be ready now, but they're not going to not be ready now. And they're not going to not be ready next year. Either way they go. The year after, they're going to be ready, and that's what I love right. about it. That's what this is. Um, they didn't. You know what they're building a in? hole by drafting a. Well, player. you know what they're building in. You know what they're building in. Longevity. Yeah. Longevity. <laughs> <laughs> Don't use my. That's my word. I have a TM there. TM. I'm going to sue you. Use t-shirt stealer. Uh, okay. <laughs> what do I think the per year number is for golf extension? I have to say, I couldn't care less what the per year number is. And, and, and people, yeah. it drives people a little bit nuts. But if I pick a number today, it's going to be meaningless when the cap changes. And then the year after it's going to be meaningless when the cap changes. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about 15% of cap to 16, maybe 16 and a half, depending how he does this year, as far as, what you spend for him going forward. That's, that's really kind of where I'm at. Um, I've kind of changed my thinking on, on cap and, and, and on spending because people focus on that number agents love to scream the big number. That's not really the number, but it's, it's really what's the percentage of the cap that you're going to spend on that position. And, and I've got this whole kind of mental construct. I've been working out on, you know, your offensive line or is it off your, your, your left tackle and the rest of the offensive line you like that you're budgeting for. And then you can make little right. changes. If, if you, if you save money, cause you've got a rookie contract, you can spend a little more maybe on your safety, right? You can make different changes, but I, I, I really believe it's a percentage of your cap to build out the team rather than what's the number right now. Right. Cause whatever the number is today, it's going to be cheaper every year that goes on. Matthew Stafford. Right. I remember people screaming how much we paid him. And then he was basically free at the end. So what are you going to do? Well, and, and the same thing with Goff's current contract, because when he came on board, I mean, everybody from Pat McAfee on down was talking about like, you're going to pay this guy that much of your cap. I'm like, okay, first of all, you got to pay quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, so you got to do that. Second of all, they weren't going to be good no matter who was paying what that first year. And then all of a sudden you get to this side of that contract and these next two years are reasonable. Yeah. I mean, really, really reasonable like below Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo type of reasonable. So yeah, I, I think anytime you see a contract, you got to get past the, the giant number they put on the billboard, the one that goes across Times square um, and then start drilling down on it and how it's structured. Yeah. 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 Um, really quick. Uh, um, and on, this is a good one. The thing is you can dollar cost average Goff and hookers contracts. You're not paying six and a half million dollars to chase Daniel anymore. Right. I mean, oh, God. <laughs> the gonna, employment you, miracle that is chase Daniel. 
so that works. I think I think there's there's some 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 um, some thought to that, and and you have a lot of value in Hooker. Um, but <laughs> you think in the offseason that Chase Daniel and Josh Rosen just go down to Boca somewhere and high five like, hey man, we did it again. They're still giving us money. Oh man, uh, that's crazy. Uh, uh, I got to give a, give a quick yell out. Uh, big game this year on the 15th of October in Tampa. Um, we, we've already started talking about it. We, I think we're going to do a post game show live from the, 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 uh, the, the parking lot from the tailgate. Uh, get a bunch of people. How many out. people are down? I, I've already, down there? I've already seen like 15, 20 people coming down for the game. Uh, there's a, a lot of people that already live around the area. That's uh, Tampa. Tampa's a, a hopping spot for lion stuff. You want to come? come on down. Do we all get to stay at your house? Well, one room's already taken. <laughs> I I can I, I don't want to have to open up the other wing unless I have to, so we can talk about that. But uh so yeah. You have uh, a full size couch. I can't sleep on a mini, I'm six two. So <laughs> we got you, brother. We got you. Um <laughs> it's it'd be a good time. Uh we're gonna have a great great party. We'll we'll talk about doing a show. We're we're putting some stuff together to have some fun down there. Uh Ray J is a great place to see a game, even a, an away game. Um, Tampa is a really cool spot because it is uh, so, so many people from other places coming in. Um, you, it, there's no fan abuse. It's just a, it's just a fun time. Good people having fun. So uh, think about it. If you want to travel and see an away game, I, I tell you, come down to Tampa. We'll, we'll all hang out. We'll drink. You can make funny faces in the background in a, on a live show. Uh, we'll do some we'll, we'll do some goofy stuff. Goofy stuff. Every so. time you say Ray J, I think of Kim Kardashian. I can't help it. <laughs> I'm like, what does that have to do with any? Oh, the state, dude. Raymond James, right? Uh, did SoFi? I, I, people, I'm talking about the Chargers game in LA too, Don. That's that's a good one. SoFi is a beautiful stadium. It is fantabulous. That that's a real word too, Michael. Just so you know, um, great, great place. Uh, also, I just got to give a quick yell out to SeatBellGang.com, the place to go. Jerry tweeted about it. That's the place where he takes the money, turns it around for charities in Detroit his charity stuff. It's not somebody who stole the design and is trying to make a buck off of something that other people built. So, um, uh. check Jerry's tweet, go to seatbeltgang.com. If you like that, that stuff, the gear, you're going to see a lot of the defenders playing wearing that stuff. Um, keep your eyes open for Hank's tanks. It's a little something, something that's a Detroit lions podcast.com slash. Did you send some three X's up to Allen park too? I will say that the offense Wears a larger size than the defense on average and across the board. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there you go. All right. Um, next show, we'll go around the division on the results for the draft. We're going to do that this week, but um, Riz is gout is acting up and well, he's got to take care of that. Um, but with that, I think we're going to call it a show, Michael and Riz best of luck to your parents and your family, man. Hope yeah, man. As well, brother, Mr. Risden feel better soon. Yeah. Even if she says no, that's terrible. That's horrible. I would never really endorse something like that. All right. Remember, don't forget about us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast, patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. It's where you can help the show and you can get access to the insider Slack chat, the best chat on the internet about the Lions and so many other things, home improvement, you name it. It's all, all great stuff. <laughs> um, it's all there. You're we were handing out investment advice in that yeah. joint last yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, personal improvement is probably the bottom of the list, but everything else, top shelf, top shelf stuff, great place to <laughs> hang out. Great people. They're all, they're all good. It's, it's worth every penny and uh, you get, you get you know, good lovable ideas. group of hammerheads in there for <laughs> sure. All right. Follow us on the Twitter machine at D E T lions podcast and at the Michael gray, get those golden, beautiful locks. 
on your feed every day. Yeah. Jeff, next- Jeff requested no hat. So you get the full experience here. Today. The next tweet, I'll be there with no pants. Beautiful, beautiful. Come join <laughs> us on Twitter. Give us a call via Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast, all one word, Detroit Lions Podcast, or on the Lions line, 248-782-8384, 248-RUB-U-FUG. This is it. This is the this is the big test, Gray. This is where you have to know your Lions. Be sure to come to Detroit Lions Auto. Uh, I almost gave it away. Be sure to go to Detroit Lions Podcast. <laughs> The longevity of that line has been shortened. <laughs> you stepped on the line. Normally, you're supposed to bury the lead. This time, you I don't know. You dug it up. I was burying something uh, else. I'm not saying I'm not saying that because I will screw it up. I don't know the whole line. I just knew the uh, the part that the I gave away. And you uh, you went with that already. So. It's been done. You know, we can uh, cross that one off the list. Oh, man. We should go to DroitLionsPodcast.com. <laughs> subscribe to the podcast. Why, Gray? Why would they do that? Uh, well, at this point, I'm sure we all want to know, and no one really does. Uh, get there. Do the thing. I, I, don't, I can't remember Jeff's lines. It's because we all get to come into your ear holes automatically. And who? Oh, there it is. Who wouldn't want that? I mean, oh, God. The, the, <laughs> Never mind. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time on the Detroit Lions podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, at least not together, and no problems because you're here, your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. Thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate you. We got more for you coming soon. Broderick Martin tomorrow and a lot more. Final seconds winding down, and look at that. How Big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. You've had enough of that shit.